0: Hey everybody, Mark here, and today we're furthering the conversation about is Jesus really God? We're talking a little bit more about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey because we all can't escape it, and pulling on some of the threads that we pulled out in the message towards universalism and how to correctly interpret the Bible. So, really fun, deep conversation today. Just a quick reminder for you that if you haven't RSVP'd yet for our Menlo 150 celebration at Woodside High School, the first Sunday in November, we'd love for you to do so. Whether this is your first time with us, first time listening to this, hundredth time, or you haven't been with us before, this event is for you. It's a celebration where we are coming together as multiple churches in one location, celebrate our 150th year anniversary. So you can RSVP for that online so we can get a head count and get your food. So make sure you do that. And if you are headed up to the fall retreat this weekend, I will see you there. Make sure you say hi to me, super excited for that. Now let's go ahead and jump into the conversation. We'll start it right there. Hey, everybody! Hey. How's it going? My name is Mark. My name's Jessica, and we have Phil with us today. Woo-hoo. What's up, everybody? Good to see you. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, and we all clapped at the same time. That's amazing. We we just we're laughing, we did it.
1: <laughs> if you're listening, yes. go watch the first minute of the video perfect
0: <laughs> i'm not sure it'll take a minute to watch. true maybe First ten five seconds, seconds. Yeah, yeah yeah well we are all very sore today because well jess i don't know if you are but phil was sharing that he wanted to run yesterday i played basketball last night i know you've been working out a little bit too
1: i finished my four-week program
0: way to go yeah
1: peloton uh with ben aldis the mm. s- stronger you my roommate and i did it together okay. and it was That's good rough yeah. but They do really good with their stretching afterwards, their Mm. warm-ups and their cool-downs. That's good. So, I'm... I'm definitely sore when I like do stairs and stuff like that but uh, yeah. now, now when you, you say you weeks? did
2: it together do you have like two Pelotons or like each of you took turns on a Peloton
1: no so this is strength oh, so this oh, is nice. like weights and stuff oh, like all right, that got it, yeah, got yeah it. we have Pelotons that face each That's, other, yeah, <laughs> that, face each That's, other. A, that was honestly
2: in my head <laughs> a tandem Peloton that, <laughs> was, that was sort be, of what oh uh, my was gosh constructing. why
1: isn't that invented we should do it TM TM trademark trademark no it's a strength training class so we have our we put it on the TV and have our own set of weights and everything thing so okay i like it and my dog wesley likes to just sit there and be like why what are you doing why aren't you petting me Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so
0: funny We have a really fun episode today, and we got a lot of text-in questions, oh. and one would be a great question for us I to I hope it's start about Taylor with. Swift. Oh, well, we are going to talk about that a <laughs> little <laughs> bit, because we can't escape it. Uh, um, but we <laughs> got a text-in question about some tattoo explanations Oh, from Phil and Jess, if you'd like to share about one oh, of yours. Sure. Some of our listeners were like, hey, what's going on with these? We'd like to know a little bit more about it.
2: Yeah, I actually had a friend just this morning. He is a pastor. He's in his 50s. Uh, which is, you know, that's great, but he's about to get his first tattoo, which is not normally something you do in your 50s, and he's like a basic white guy in the South. Like, I just was like, what, are you okay? Like, what's (laughs) happening? Is this a cry for (laughs) help? Midlife crisis. Anyway, so it's funny that this question came up today, but, and I've had more people asking me, about it like week to week which is funny because mm-hmm. uh, i'm always like i have had this for years yeah like that. yeah anyway. i
1: usually get the in summertime i yeah, get more yeah, people yeah, asking because yeah. i've been wearing sleeves for so long sure, and that's sure. where my primary yeah, like, tattoos uh, are
2: yeah well and i think sometimes <laughs> people wonder um like they they want to ask what it is but they don't they don't feel comfortable and so yeah. anyway what's
0: the rule on that is it okay to ask someone if you about have a tattoos? if
2: you have a visible tattoo I don't care if you think it's comfortable or not if you have a visible tattoo you sign up to have a conversation yep. piece yep. for the rest of your life okay. if you yep. don't want that don't have a visible yep. tattoo and if I'm making you mad and you have a visible tattoo they make laser removal but like <laughs> you made that choice actually yeah. that was my advice if you looked at my text thread with my buddy today I'm like he's like hey any advice I'm like well if you put it in your joints it will hurt worse than anything you've ever had if mm. you put it like on your fingers or anything you use a lot it's going to fade the fastest and if you get a visible tattoo be okay with people asking you about it and then i feel mm-hmm. like there's there's for the l-
1: rest of your life for the
2: rest of your life for the rest of your life and i feel like there's um it, as a person with the tattoo now i feel like i have the 10 second explanation Mm -hmm. the 30 second explanation the 5 minute explanation so I'll give somewhere between the second and third Uh, for me uh, I didn't have a tattoo I got it in 2019 Um, it was after my dad died Hmm. Uh, my story with my dad's messy After my dad died, I did a counseling intensive with a counselor who I still see. Uh, Great dude. He just kind of like did a bunch of um, what's called EMDR therapy where Mm. you work through um, repressed childhood trauma. Mm. Um, It's extremely helpful and extremely difficult. And he asked me uh, just a few days into treatment. He said, uh, hey, what do you think about God the Father? And I was like, I think we're good. He's like, well you talk about God, the son a lot. You talk about mm. the Holy Spirit a lot. What do you think about the father? And I was like, I, I think we're good. You know, I've never really thought about it. He said, well, a lot of times when we experience childhood trauma, we spend our adult lives wiping the face of our earthly father off the face of our heavenly father. And mm. so then Ooh. he gave me some, yeah, wow. yeah let that one sit with you for the rest <laughs> of your life. That's what we call a mind grenade right there. <laughs> um, and so he just gave me some homework around it. Um, And so I was doing kind of this work over the next couple of weeks and around father, there was this kind of one phrase I just felt like the Lord was bringing back to my mind over and over again around father that I had one who hurt. I have one who loves and I am one who heals around identity. Um, And then my mom was a first generation Russian Jew. And so uh for me it was kind of like this hey i wanted to chronicle that moment it's a pretty big deal for me and remembering my dad but also honoring my mom and so this is hebrew so my mom uh but it's the word abba or father in hebrew around that identity of dad so it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of my father uh my earthly dad my identity as father and kind of my mom's mm-hmm. heritage all in one so that's what it's that's wow cool. means thanks for sharing yep yeah. what's the 10 second answer Oh, it's about it's his father in Hebrew. It says Sick. Abba, and so <laughs> yeah. my mom was Jewish. She was born Jewish, so yeah, that's well. Now, <laughs> that now, now, it easy. now, if you ask Phil about his tattoo, you can kind of yeah, see you can you can tell that. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or if I make up something entirely different, yeah. like I'm lying to you. Yeah, that's yeah. Really like funny. what does that mean? It's Zoro. If you look at it, because <laughs> if you read it, you know, if you read it this way, you know, oh yeah, but it goes. Like that, so.
1: I for sure. I have Hebrew also, and I've had people try to like Exu. Yeah. And i like, it's a different language. Don't, mm. don't try. It's also upside down for you. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Jess, you want to talk about one of yours?
1: Sure. I'll talk about the flowers. I'll do a middle version too. Um, my grandma was a gardener, loved flowers. Every okay. time I see flowers, I think of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom also loves flowers and we had sweet peas on our uh, growing up on our uh, back fence mm. that just grew crazy high all the way down the fence like literally this whole wall was just covered in different colors of sweet peas so it's just sweet memory and then after my grandma passed away I wanted to get something um to help remember her just I mean I knew I always would because she like helped raise me and we were really close so it's kind of mostly for my grandma but kind of fits in my mom her she would have preferred pink flowers but I'm not a super pink girl and I don't think pink would look good on my skin tone so I went with purple I like it that's awesome yeah
2: I oh. think purple was a right call. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think purple was a right call. I feel like pink tattoos—you're always like, "Are you bleeding?" Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: probably. <laughs>
2: you know, like <laughs> it just looks like—is mm-hmm. that fresh?
1: No, yeah, got it years ago. That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. great. Well, how about Free Mark? What about your hidden tattoos? Well, that's why they're hidden.
0: (laughs) I don't want anyone asking (laughs) about them. I like to play it off sometimes because people have said, like, I look like someone that would have tattoos, Mm. at least when I was in Mm. college, they said that. Oh, okay. And so I like to play it off like I had my whole back done. Yeah, 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 sure. But don't have any tattoos. I
1: could see you having something in Japanese. I
0: could too. Yeah. There's a, there's a version of me in the multiverse that has yeah. tattoos everywhere sure. for sure. That yeah, says yeah.
1: like mountains or the something. The neck tattoo right here. Or fish. Yeah,
0: yeah for sure. Yeah. 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 Multiverse definitely.
2: Mark definitely has a neck tattoo. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah.
0: That might happen in this universe. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I got a couple ideas. About It'll yeah, it. literally yeah. Yeah. like. The permanence <clears throat> kind of like messes Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Missy, me. you're on notice. Just watch yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah if,
0: yeah. if I come home. She really wants to get tattoos. <laughs>
1: oh, nice. Also not surprising.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's been wanting a fee for a while. Um. If somebody told you it hurt, they were telling you the truth because it hurts a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. It's not the the pain, really. It's more so just like, did I make a mistake for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe. Yep. But well, we already kind of <laughs> talked about football and Taylor <laughs> Swift, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so just wanted to open that up for a conversation again. And funny enough, you salt in the wound. Yep. yep. you mm-hmm. started your message with that this I weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, what are your thoughts on? Because you're both a football fan, I am, as well as a Taylor Swift fan, I am. I'm... Swifty neither somewhat I like football I like Taylor Swift kind of to both of those yeah <laughs> so I don't really have any stake in this game at all but it's making a lot of waves yeah. everywhere yes. I look yeah so we'll we'll get your opinion first
1: mm. uh, just about their relationship yeah it's, your it's funny because I've heard two different thoughts on this okay. I listened to a pop culture podcast and she they like to say that this is for sure just a PR stunt oh. like Okay. He wanted some, he put himself out there, and she needed to find somebody who was wholesome to make herself look better after her last mistake.
2: Mm.
1: And so she just went with the guy that would help in that area. Wow. That's but I also, there. I know, I also follow a, a matchmaker on Instagram, and she was like, I think this is real. I think this could be the one because she's only ever dated like really f- feminine dudes. And how, who have been like either actors or singers. But now she's like going back to her Tennessee roots. Hmm. I need like a manly man who's going to take care of me. And so she thinks it's real. Interesting. I could see both ways. I kind of feel like it's more of a PR stunt. But Which one
2: are you rooting for? Yeah. Which one do you want it to be?
1: I don't know Travis Kelsey personally.
2: Sure. Oh.
1: But if he's a good dude. You. Okay,
2: thanks. Yeah, yeah, Mark's got you.
1: <laughs> I I would like it to be real. Because I think that that's that is more the type of guy i could see her needing a lot of us realize when you're dating you date usually the same kind of person and when it's not working out you're kind of like okay i need to change my pattern and start dating a different kind of guy and i think taylor might have gotten to that point of like all right all these dudes i need to get to like a manly man so who knows but she's She's also bringing a lot of celebrities, big names into the suite with her. So it's like, are you asking? You look like you're asking for attention.
2: There's also the camp that
1: she's trying to get the attention away from Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas's divorce. I could talk about this for a long time, so I'm going to stop right (laughs) (laughs) now. This is the most
0: you've
2: ever talked on the podcast in a row. To be honest. That's good. And it doesn't oh, surprise me at all. Uh, yeah, that's good. Well, we well, can find pop Jess culture corner with pub. Jessica. Yep, yeah, yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would we call that? Hmm, I don't know.
0: If you ever do start a podcast, we'll give you a shout out. Mm.
1: Okay. Thanks. Um, yep.
0: that's fascinating, though. Like the real relationship <coughs> versus the fake relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Phil, yeah. your thoughts? Uh, I don't even really know if I can follow that level yeah. of detail. <laughs> uh, you can d- dive right into your message from there if you want uh, to. Where's the segue?
1: We got to uh, hear. Yeah, yeah, we're talking yeah.
0: about real, real relationships and not real relationships, mm-hmm. and oh, we're talking about is God really God or is He not really God? So mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense. Yeah,
2: I feel like even great. the announcers, when they like throw to the Taylor cam, even they're cringing a little. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard because it feels like even if it is a publicity stunt. Everybody is complicit in the stunt. Like yeah. every because everybody's making money off of it. Like it's just this exhausting thing. And uh I feel like the sad reality is can you be a famous, successful Taylor Swift and in a successful, healthy relationship? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I don't know if that's possible. The mm-hmm. the the take at my house with the two Swifties I live with mm-hmm. is that Lover, the only album that she ever did while she was like writing from a good headspace of relationship, was her worst album. <laughs> uh, and Whoa. so you're like, that's sad. Like, mm-hmm. that makes me feel terrible for her. So yeah. um,
1: it's kind of like Adele. Like, her yeah, yeah. albums are because of breakups and totally. divorces. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and I think, what does that tell you about culture, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That like we feed. On the sadness of others, mm-hmm. that like we can't, we can't enjoy other people's happiness. That I just, that makes me sad more. Yeah. So, yeah. it, whether it's a publicity stunt or it's real, mm-hmm. it feels unlikely to last, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? Interesting. And unlike America. Jesus, you who go. has continued to last wow, for thousands <gasps> of
1: years. <gasps> we gotta pass the Segway yeah, yeah, yeah. King mm-hmm.
2: yep. Um, yep.
1: crown over to <laughs> Phil.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Americans are Jesus Swifties. That is,
1: uh, <laughs> that that, so that, good.
2: I think that is probably more true than we want it to be, right? Yeah. Like we go, what's the level of fandom that I am comfortable with as it relates to Jesus. And really even like, I'll just discard the parts of Jesus or Christianity that I don't like. And Jesus will become like this Christian mascot stuffed animal mm-hmm. that, I can do whatever I want with. Hmm. He'll cosign on anything I believe or think um, until you actually go read what he said. So, that's why I use that C.S. Lewis quote from Mm -hmm. Mere Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just like ultimately Jesus, he gives us a few choices, but a good moral teacher, inspiring figure that lets me do whatever I want, not one of the choices.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, there we were talking about this a little bit in our team meeting yesterday, but there is another book, I think it was written in the 90s or so, where it basically breaks Jesus down in three categories, lunatic, liar, or Lord. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that word? Yep. Yeah. Kind of the same principle there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. generally ascribed to, um, uh, who was it? Sean McDonald from Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Um, and I mean, I think that that is borrowing from C.S. Lewis. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I, I think you can sort of debate the individual categories. But again, in none of the categories do we find Jesus is a, because the very same sources that you're going to for Jesus is a good moral teacher are the very same sources where Jesus is saying things like, Mm -hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one Mm -hmm. comes to the Father but me. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, narrow is the path of life. Mm -hmm. If you're with me, you have eternity. If you're not with me, you have wrath. Like, same place. You're getting blessed are the peacemakers and those lines. And so, you know, how you reconcile that, everybody's going to make that decision for themselves.
0: Hmm. It's a hard place to start out of mm-hmm. because we either are immediately, I get it or
2: immediately mm, change my mind. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, in a talk or in a series like this, everybody's walking in with that anyway, right? They know. Absolutely. Uh, they know the question before they walk into the room. There's no tricking them, you know? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. you're kind of setting up at the beginning, hey, this is what we're talking about. Um, and I tried to be very open and I'm, you know, continually through the series, letting people know, like, you're going to make up your own mind. Like, I'm not here to convince you. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm here to help you see that this is reasonable, that this is plausible, that you don't have to be a, mm-hmm. a totally crazy person to believe mm-hmm. this. Um, but I think there's always a gap between what we can logically prove and what we believe right that's why it's reasonable faith right and <laughs> both are in the same are in the same idea what does it mean to be a thoughtful witness it means that I go hey I understand that there is going to be a gap between what I explain uh, between what I can find historically we'll see some of that this weekend and a belief that I have and it can be plausible and possible without always being proven and that's where faith comes in and I think that's true for Jesus too yeah Wow
0: it's, it's exciting to kind of see the series build as we go, and I think this is a great place to start right before we jump into next week. And it's it's trying to characterize Jesus as more than just the moral teacher, like you're saying, and also trying to tease out bits of our culture that, like you said, are trying to Pick different pieces of Jesus, of religion, of this, and you, you pulled at the thread of universalism as well. So I want to give some more space for that because it feels like um, in a lot of the spaces that we see in social media, this or that, it's what you're saying. It's basically if I choose to be a good person, I can choose bits and pieces of this piece of this religion or of this teaching, as long as I do those things and get enough credit for my spiritual health, however you want to say that, then I will go on to whatever I believe is next.
2: Mm. For sure. Yeah. And I, I would say I recommended a book um, called The Problem of God by Mark Clark this weekend. Uh, I think it's probably in the like series breakdown that we have online as well. Um, And I'll recommend it again. Now, there is a whole section in that book that Mark does on the exclusivity of Jesus. Hmm. Uh, It's really helpful, and really some of the stuff that I dove into around the law of non-contradiction came from that book. Yeah, Uh, and I think that that's the tough part, right? In a vacuum where we just invent whatever we want, yeah, like universalism is awesome. I want to sign up for that. Mm -hmm. The problem is uh, that it doesn't conform to reality, right? And Um, that I don't get to just make up something as I want. And actually, I don't want that. We don't really want universalism. What we want is good peopleism. And good peopleism is defined by us. And so we think to ourselves, well, um, like, I'm pretty good, so I should probably go to heaven. Hitler, hell. Mm-hmm. like we have that instant reaction you know we we look at what's happening uh, overseas right now and we go oh my goodness Russia Ukraine um Gaza strip Palestine uh, Israel we have these like snap judgments that we have in our head and we go this group of people this person this time in history hell everybody else probably good and i think um that that is just interesting because it's not universalism, right? It's good personism that says, I am the judge. That's the underlying problem. I am the judge of who is good, who is worthy, and who isn't. And in doing that, what we're saying is our version of universalism is good personism in which we are God. Because we're the ones that are determining who gets in and who's out, mm-hmm. and so uh, if you think you would crush it as God, I, gu- I guess give it a go. But uh, I don't think that I would be a good God, and uh, I think when we when we read the text of Scripture, it says His ways are not our ways. <laughs> you know, as far as the uh, heavens are from the earth, so far as God's ways from ours. Uh, I don't think it takes a lot of introspective discovery to know if there's a supreme being that made everything from nothing, I probably don't completely understand him. Mm -hmm. And if he says the standard of relationship with me forever is perfection, I talked about this this weekend, man, there's just no way that any of us measure up to that. And it's the act of love through Jesus that allows anyone to come in. So now you, you map that against any other world religion and any other world religion, even religions that incorporate uh, reincarnation, you go, well, it's it's sort of this just ongoing treadmill, maybe over the course of lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, but it's this ongoing treadmill of trying to measure up in a system that if the standard of a perfect and holy God is the standard, you will never measure up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, I think um, we can try to Uh, And I think we do in like a secular society where more and more people are religiously disaffiliating, we can try to say, I'm the humble and self-aware one in this. That's why I think all religions are the same. But that's just so intellectually dishonest. If you go look at those actual religions, there's, um, Mark may have mentioned this in the book, but uh, there's sort of a metaphor that people use a lot where they'll talk about every world religion, it's like a blindfolded person touching a different part of an elephant. Have you heard of this before? And yeah. and, uh, yeah, yeah. and he, he talks about how, I think it's Mark, he talks about how, um, you know, every single one of them would describe the elephant like this is the leg, this is the tail, mm-hmm. this is the trunk, right? Like all of them are going to describe it radically different. But if you look at it on the whole, you go, no, 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 like it's all the elephant, you know? Like you guys are just touching different parts of the elephant. And, uh, you know, the, the. I feel like there is a, a sense in which a secular moral ethic mm-hmm. today is the person looking at this elephant and sort of the people with blindfolds touching different parts of it and being like, you guys are idiots, can't you see? But the um, irony in that situation is the person that's looking at it is assuming moral superiority over all of them. They're the only one that Mm. has the complete and total perspective. Mm. So the case that they're making is nobody can know everything except me. (laughs) I just think like (laughs) that is a funny, and I think I talked about it this weekend, exclusive claim. Like the very thing that they're saying don't have an exclusive claim. They're making an exclusive claim. Mm. Um, The majority of human uh, of humanity that exists on earth today believes in an exclusive religious claim may not be christianity it might be buddhism might be uh islam but this idea that they're all wrong uh, is just an interesting honestly pretty modern take on Mm -hmm. what we're talking about
1: We had a question come in about uh, the inclusivity and exclusivity that you just mentioned again. Mm -hmm. So, how do we explain inclusivity and exclusivity when it comes to church denominations? We are Presbyterian and believe in baptism, receiving the Eucharist, and so on a certain way. But some denominations believe differently. Is there a right way and is it more nuanced than that?
2: So, great question. Um, There's a line, um, I don't know if I used it this weekend or not uh, unity does not mean uniformity. And, uh, I think that there, there is always going to be a set of things that are essentials of where we agree. And then there's going to be an open hand of areas where we have liberty and freedom to believe differently. And so, um, where we would say, Hey, we agree. Uh, Jesus is fully God, uh, fully man lived perfectly on earth died in our place, actually came back from the dead. Our only means to know God is to place our faith in him, turn from our own way, choose to follow him, and we'll experience the abundant life of Jesus now and eternal life with him waiting. Um, that's that's an essential doctrine. And actually, there's sort of broken down ways to understand and think about that. Um, and then there are gonna be other areas where we go, well, uh, And a good example is complementarianism versus egalitarianism. Mm-hmm. So, our denomination in Menlo, we are egalitarian. So, we understand uh, the freedom of polity or the way we do church, uh, sort of merited out in the New Testament and the New Testament era, that men and women have the opportunity to serve in all capacities the same way in church leadership. Then there are groups of people that would say, no, 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 when we read uh, 1 Timothy, we don't believe that that's contextually bound to the letter or to the church in Ephesus, which is where it was written. Uh, We think that is binding for the church today. And so only men can serve in specific roles in church polity. Um, Neither one of these groups are hopefully arguing that the other one's like going to hell. These are just mm. different understandings of an open-handed issue. And so, we can have deep convictions about open-handed issues, mm-hmm. but hopefully we would go, hey, there are going to be some things that are kind of non-negotiables mm-hmm. to understand what the, what God said he did through Jesus for us, non-negotiable. What it means for us to know him, Non negotiable. Even in the early church, when you go to passages like Acts 15, there was this big problem in the early church where the Gentiles were becoming Christians, but they hadn't been Jewish. And up to that point, only Jewish people were becoming followers of Jesus. And so the Jewish people were honestly pretty frustrated because they had to follow all these rules uh, until they became Jewish people. And so there was a group of Judaizers uh, that basically said, in order to become christian you first have to become jewish which if you don't know the details of that it involves surgery and uh And so, the Jerusalem council in the first century had this very conversation. It was an open-handed, closed-handed conversation. That's what they had. And at the time, what they said was, hey, uh, we're not going to make all these Gentiles follow all the religious laws. Basically, like, be respectful of what you eat because they were eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Um, Mm -hmm. That would have been a really big problem for people that grew up Jewish and uh, avoid sexual immorality like those were sort of the things that were lifted up as like we're gonna we're gonna make these the key things uh, which if you think about it in 2023 watch what you eat and avoid sexual immorality kind of holds up um, <laughs> so I think you know there's just something to um, this idea of we have always had diversity of thought within the unity of what are those core doctrines of faith that make a Christian, a Christian. And so, you know, getting into the idea of like, is someone actually sinful? Not in the abstract, but in the literal. Do they need to be saved by grace through faith, not as a result of works, that's Ephesians 2. Is it only in that vein and only in that relationship with God that they'll experience the abundant life of Jesus today and eternal life waiting? Those are the things that we would say, those are those are essential tenets. And even there are mainstream denominations in America that at one point held to those ideas and now honestly don't. And so it takes some work to figure out, okay, what does that denomination believe about God, about the Bible, about sin, about the nature of Jesus, about heaven and eternity? And uh, I I don't have like a quick rubric to give you. You're going to have to go do the work as you investigate different denominations and churches. But uh, I think that there are far more churches that have far more in common than they do different. Mm -hmm. And uh, figuring out which is which, that might feel tiring, but it's Mm -hmm. the work of discernment. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So, So, there you go. Yeah. We really
0: appreciate everyone's questions that they send in. And again, if you have more questions like this, we'd love to answer them. You could text us, um, 650-600-0402 and we'll try to get, get to those because I think they, they really tease out a lot of the real questions people are asking. And when we're in a series like this, when it is about mm-hmm. answering these big, big, big questions, we'd love to know, Hey, what are you struggling with? What are your questions? And so this is just an encouragement for everyone else, um, that, ha- that you have an opportunity to ask us and we'd mm-hmm. love to sit with those and wrestle those with you um, and then you closed out by saying don't settle Phil don't settle for what in case people missed it and how does that lead us towards where you think we could we could uh, go think go out of this message with
2: yeah I mean I think that there is a settling like culturally if you're if you're like you came this weekend and you're like, they have a podcast and you're listening to it and you're not a person of faith or maybe, you know, you'd be somebody the Bible describes as like a prodigal. Like you walked away from faith a long time ago and mm-hmm. you're kind of wondering if you're even welcome back. Um, I think the easiest way for us to settle in our culture as it relates to something like that is uh, we just, we just sort of jump on the hamster wheel. We get on the treadmill, we start climbing up the ladder of society And there are enough things on that ladder for enough time that even though you don't necessarily get what you think you wanted, uh, it seems like you're headed in the right direction. I always find it interesting, right? That core to our national identity is this statement, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, it's more true than it means to be, Mm -hmm. Uh, that in our culture, the pursuit not happiness itself not being promised an outcome the pursuit of happiness is what we promise and so you know if you think about this as kind of middle america where i grew up you have all right i'm gonna I'm, I'm a little kid and then i get into school and then i have primary school and then i have high school and then i have college and maybe i do grad school and then maybe i'll start a family there's a great book called define the defining decade Um, I do not remember the author. It's not a Christian book. Uh, But she talks about kind of all the markers that existed in the 20s that are really now being moved into the 30s. Um, And what it's done is it's kind of coincided with this idea of extended adolescence. And one of the... Mm -hmm one of the implications for that, one of the potential reasons for that, whether we did it on purpose or just kind of backed into it, is we're extending the promise of the pursuit of happiness. Hmm. So where I would have gotten to at 32 or 35 and said, whoa, now that's happening at 42, 45, 50, because we're stretching out, we're adding markers at the end of it. Well, now I need a vacation house. Now I need my retirement taken care of. Now I need my kids things figured out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to the end of the pursuit of happiness. And we realize it was the wrong ladder. We realize Mm -hmm. that the American way um, and Jesus way have components that are at diametrical odds to one another. And uh, I think when we settle for it, you can wake up to that reality before that reality smacks you in the face, right? You don't have to invest the next decade of career development or uh, academic pursuit before you come to that discovery. And it doesn't mean you don't do stuff in your career. It doesn't mean you don't do stuff academically. It just means the reason you're doing it shifts. You're not trying to achieve something it can't deliver. And I think that for a lot of us it's easy Uh, to sort of lean in and go like, I I just think if if I meet somebody, well, then I'll be totally happy. Like go talk to any married person. That marriage is not the thing that has given them total peace in their life. As a matter of fact, most marriages that that's hanging on either or both of the people who are married, most of those marriages are not doing well because we're not designed to hold that weight. The only thing that can hold the weight of my identity is God. And so I've said this before, we live in a culture where identity is the new idolatry and we as a culture, because we don't have any sort of identity rooted in a divine creator in our culture, we're taking so many things that I would say really are answers to the question how you are and we're using them to answer the question who you are because we don't have an alternative answer. And so um, hopefully this series just pulls the curtain back for you to say, There could be more. There could be something higher and better that's eternal that I was made for rather than just the kind of next rung on the ladder that will give you that instant dopamine hit. It for sure will. Like you got a new iPhone. Amazing. You got the job promotion. Incredible. You got into the school. Awesome. That relationship feels really fun. But I'm telling you, all those things have a burn rate. All those things will come to a place where if you are trying to have them satisfy something inside of you that only God can, they never will, and the burn rate will get shorter and shorter and shorter, and uh, you can learn that before you get there.
1: Mm. You said something earlier about, um, and just like the definition of faith is like, you just have to believe it. Some There's some things that we're just never going to understand. That's just how it is being a human and trying to understand an infinite God. Have you experienced more so in this area than anywhere else you've been that that Mm. is way more difficult because of... The level of genius that is here that people don't want to settle for just I guess I just don't know and I'll never doesn't matter
2: yeah I do think that there is what's interesting is that um in silicon Valley, you have so many people that are specialists right so um they have one area that they've gone down like the rabbit hole So deep, and they know that thing so well. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just assume that every area exists just like that. Uh, And I I think that there is at times an era of uh, pseudo intellectualism that can flow out of that, Mm -hmm. where I just kind of think to myself, in my worldview, uh, we'll talk about it this week. In my worldview, the Bible is completely not credible, right? Well, why is that? Well, because the two things I know about it lead me to believe that it's not. And just like I assume this depth of understanding is available in all these areas. I assume that if these two things are true, there's 2000 more that are also like that. And so um, I I do think that that is hard, but I also think um, what's interesting for me is how much, you know, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. These conversations, they always come back over and over and over again. And so you have uh, something as simple as, um, uh i don't know like if i think about ai i think about two areas instantly where it's like when we talk about i I don't want to live i'm a science person i'm not a faith person well go ask anybody working in ai to explain how large language models work intellectually honest people in that space will tell you we don't know Hmm. and if you ask hey what's the best way for us to put guardrails on the ai the best current strategy is to create another AI oh, and ask that AI to hold this AI accountable. Wow. Like that's that's the leading answer to this problem. Mm. And in a culture where we've said, hey, we don't want moral constraints, we don't want absolute truth, the number one problem in AI is we need a common ethical standard by which we can train AI. And so I think, I mean... <laughs> You're asking me about it. Uh, you're saying it's hard for you to believe in something you can't explain or fully understand, but the very thing you're pouring your life into, mm-hmm. y- you can't fully understand. And so um, I'm placing my faith in an all-knowing, supreme being who has existed forever and has things to back up that existence for thousands of years, including verifiable historic evidence. Um, and I would just say that's that's probably. More credible than we give it credit, and sometimes closer to what our daily struggle is, even in the space of kind of secular atheistic worldview stuff that exists in high tech. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think people have higher um, intellectual barriers to this mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. which is why we have these conversations the way that we do. Um, but I think that uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm thankful that it's not my job to change someone's mind. That yeah. I genuinely yeah. believe God's going to do that. And usually it happens because God brings pain. That's almost always what happens, right? Like God allows pain in our life and that pain in our life challenges our existing worldview. My existing worldview is great. It's doing so good as long as everything's going well. But when I talked about it this weekend, when all of our dreams come true and it turns out it was a nightmare, which Alyssa told me I should have quoted a Taylor Swift lyric for that. (laughs) God help us all. Uh, or I'm chasing my dream, and it all comes crashing down through a diagnosis, through a financial collapse, through something. Um, I think that all of a sudden you kind of go, "Uh-oh! I don't think, I don't think I can do this on my own." And I think God meets us in that moment so faithfully, whether you're a Christian or not.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I think on the other end of that too, you and you just said it again of you. You personally can't do anything to change people's minds, and so it's up to us to do that work. And I think on the other end of that spectrum is where I kind of fell before of just like, well, I just don't understand it, so I'll just sure. like believe yeah, it yeah, yeah, and have yeah, yeah. faith and just know whatever. But when you actually do the research you talk about, you do study, you do talk to people, you do read the Bible deeper there is more of a level of understanding that you can continue to get to instead of, so it's like, there's the level of Mm. just settling for, well, I just don't, I'm never going to understand it because I'm not super smart. Then there's the level of, I have to understand everything. And so Mm -hmm. just for those of us who aren't in tech and don't feel super smart all the time, also don't settle for just, well, I'll just never learn. Cause you can still continue to learn. I grew up in church and I'm, 38 years old and i still am learning Mm -hmm. so much about who god is well and i I think i
2: mean i think it's a great word and and really this is like a spoiler for the message that we'll teach this weekend, but the like prop that I'm talking about using for this weekend is to to like create a, a paradigm. And in the paradigm, the way that we think about the Bible, which I think is a microchasm of the way sometimes we think about faith, is on one side, we think about it very literally, right? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, that's how we grew up. The Bible is 100% literal. There's nothing about it that isn't. And you know, the problem is that there's like poetry in the Bible. There's prophecy. Like there are things that are designed to not be taken literally. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have literary. And if you're like, that's clever, a buddy of mine came up with. So you have literal (laughs) on one side, literary on the other side, and both have extremes, right? That if I take the literal, um, I will sit for sure very much under the authority of scripture, but I will often settle for an ignorant faith that never grows. Um, And then on the other side, if I trend towards kind of the literary, the way that we think sometimes think about progressive or liberal Christianity, if I sit on on the extreme of that, I stand over the authority of scripture and rather than ignorant, I become arrogant. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's understanding, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to study this. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to allow myself to grow over time. Um, But it's, yeah, it's, it is, uh, it is not a binary choice between, will I just take what the Bible says at its word? No, no, the God said it, that settles it, move on. Mm -hmm. uh, Or will I be one of those people that, you know, can't believe anything unless I personally understand it. And it is, Always, always more complicated than that, and I think Mm -hmm. there, you know, God's word can handle, can can handle our scrutiny. God Himself can handle our scrutiny, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's a when we come to Him with a genuine pursuit of faith, like where we Mm -hmm. really want to learn and grow, we are fulfilling the text that says we love Him because He first loved us. Mm -hmm. We pursue Him because He first pursued us, and He'll be faithful with it. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's really encouraging because I definitely. I, I fall more along the lines of if I don't understand this fully or if I keep peeling back and finding different things reading a different <laughs> you know um, theological take on this or look at this theologian that said this about this and then peel back and for then sure. actually try to dive into the original text and translate it for myself it's like that's a wormhole that I don't know if I'll yeah. we'll ever fully understand for sure but I think the piece of what you just said of the heart behind it is not to replace or to, discredit but the heart behind is honestly and genuinely seeking god right and i think whether you're starting at reading the book for the first time right or this is your hundredth time and now you're diving into trying to get to like translating it for yourself the pursuit is the same
2: Mm. well and we one of the reasons that we use at menlo people like dallas willard or tim keller or this guy mark clark one of the reasons that um i use people like that rather than other like famous authors or pastors maybe that you know of is that the thing I really respect, especially about somebody like Tim Keller is that he's truly intellectually honest. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think even in his era, that was something that people deeply respected about CS Lewis as well. Mm -hmm. So it may not be that, um, it fully or finally satisfies all of my curiosity, but I just know like we're having a conversation in good faith. Like the person that's writing or the person that's speaking, they're not trying to pull one over on me. Like at the end of the conversation, if I'm not convinced, we're just going to go both live our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a, there is to your point, Jess, I think there is a, um, there is an underlying, uh, sort of radar detector all the time. Um, with students, I used to say it was a BS detector. Um, <laughs> but there is this underlying filter all the time where people are just going, um, are you just trying to sell me? Or are you really having an intellectually honest conversation in good faith where you're willing to be challenged and I'm allowed to be challenged? And I love, I mean, at Menlo, I I'm going to get challenged immediately after I'm done preaching. Somebody's going to talk to me. I'm going to get challenged via e- email. I'm going to have somebody send something to me on social. Um, and they are the best questions I've ever had in ministry, right? They're great. Um, and I think that that does speak to this sense of I need to be intellectually honest. And I think there's two, t- to the conversation we were just having, there are two um Points at which we can be intellectually dishonest. On the one hand, we can sort of have our mind made up mm-hmm. uh, that God's not real, that none of this is believable. And so I'm just like coming at you with Oppo research against Christianity. And then on the other side, it's like, well, I'm going to be so sort of intellectually naive uh, that I don't need any of this. Like, it's fine. I just decided as a kid I believed this and I'm never going to discover anything more deeply. And I'm just saying, like, Intellectual honest faith curiosity is essential to ongoing and growing spiritual maturity.
0: As you said that, I just like flashed back to conversations I've had with people that have literally ended with like, God said it, I read it,
2: that ends it. Right, right, Mm -hmm.
0: yep. (laughs) And I was just like, oh man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I just think we should always go back to the person and work of Jesus as this example of what's the kind of way that we should have conversations with people? Like, Jesus never, he never tried to convince people. Mm -hmm. He just didn't. Uh, Paul did a little, but even Paul's, what he was doing was so incredible where he would like kind of take something that was so known in their culture and he would just be like, hey, let me help you think about this a different way. And then would kind of tee it up and then let their curiosity, let their own mind take it from there. And uh, I, I think when you really believe, and I do, uh, that God is the one that does work to win and save and change people's hearts, Mm -hmm. um, my job is to just kind of go like, I wanna set the table for the Holy Spirit to do work in your life. And um, whether you're a Christian who has a step in front of you that you're um, maybe hesitant to take, or you're a prodigal wondering whether or not God will take you back, or you're a skeptic thinking, I don't even know if God's real. um, You know, I hope a series like this for all of us kind of just reminds us that there's a God who loves us, who is constantly working, and um, that that love, like there's nothing we can do, and there's nowhere we could go, that we would outrun that love. And um, that's a really, really good thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And just a reminder, if you're listening, and maybe this is kind of like, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of know this stuff, uh, but you have someone in your life that maybe is wrestling with mm-hmm. this and you don't want to send them a sermon or a podcast episode. We have Explore God groups on all of our campuses where they can come and ask these questions and you can bring them. Don't make them go by themselves. You get to bring them and they get to ask all these types of questions that they might have from the basic of how do I actually read the Bible mm-hmm. to anything we're talking about here today so yep. definitely go to menlo.church slash explore god to find out where that is and when it is happening near you
2: absolutely yeah and i mean i just think that that is you know hopefully what we do on the weekend helps at brunch helps in a you know another conversation with somebody you bring but those groups um there's just nothing that's gonna move in people's lives like being able to process in a safe place mm-hmm. around these conversations Great. So
0: well, Phil, thanks so much for being here. Looking of forward course. to next week. Yeah, yeah. A couple um, more weeks. Great questions today. Thanks. And I loved your enthusiasm about Taylor <laughs> Swift. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find next out week, more. Cool. <laughs> on, yeah, exactly. It's Have good. a great week, everybody. Reach out if you need anything. See you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye.